from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior advisor to the president of the Family Research Council and very honored and pleased to be filling in for Tony this week. And I'm also extremely happy and honored to have you joining us as well. We've got a tremendous program lined up for you this evening. Coming up on this edition of Washington Watch, there's been a lot of conversations surrounding the president of Taiwan's visit with Speaker of the House McCarthy. And it brought forth many questions as to how China would respond. Well, over the weekend, we saw some of that response. The Chinese Communist Party demonstrated a show of military force that included sealing, sealing off a portion of the island and literally simulated targeted attacks. And Taiwan's foreign minister warned that any accident might spark an uncontrollable war. Meanwhile, the Biden administration says it's comfortable. So there was no reason to react in any way, militarily or otherwise. They also reacted uh, rhetorically. Uh, but uh, we're very comfortable and confident that we have in place in the region uh, sufficient resources and capabilities uh, to protect our national security interests. Well, that was White House uh, Coordinator for Strategic Communications at the National Security Council, John Kirby, earlier today. A little bit later in the program, Tim Burchett, a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, will join me to discuss the latest developments. And the Biden administration, no surprise, is continuing its assault on women's and girls' sports, this time with a proposed rule to override state laws that are meant to protect not only sports, but women's private spaces as well. The administration did this while claiming that their regulations protect women's sports. Well, FRC's Senior Fellow for Educational Studies, Meg Kilgannon, will join me to discuss that issue. And there was great news on this past Good Friday when members of what's been dubbed the Chinese Mayflower Church safely arrived in the United States after a harrowing journey of more than three years that they were involved to try to escape religious persecution. Dr. Bob Fu was one of those who was instrumental in leading the mission to bring them to safety. And he'll be joining me live to discuss that here in just a few moments as well. And also on Good Friday, a federal district court ordered the Food and Drug Administration to halt approval of chemical abortion drugs. It's a tremendous move that not only will defend the unborn, but also protect the health and safety of women and girls from these extremely harmful drugs. Of course, the Biden administration was not pleased. If a judge decides to substitute his preference, his personal opinion, for that of scientists and medical professionals, what drug isn't subject to some kind of legal challenge? So we have to go to court. Well, that was HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra yesterday on CNN's State of the Union. But really, really, folks, who was relying on opinions rather than science? That's a big question. Alliance Defending Freedom argued for this victory, and their vice president of public affairs, Lathan Watts, will join me later in the program. And then after using the courts, literally, after decades of using the courts to impose their will on citizens, 
Now the left isn't so sure about the inviability of the legal proceedings. Uh, we've got a number, a number of Democrats in Congress have already called for the FDA to simply ignore the court ruling. I believe that the Biden administration should ignore uh, this ruling. The interesting thing when it comes to a ruling is that it relies on enforcement. And it is up to the Biden administration to enforce to choose whether or not to enforce such a ruling. Of course, that was Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on Anderson Cooper's 360. So where might things go from here? And could this eventually be decided in the U.S. Supreme Court? FRC's senior fellow Chris Gasick will offer his analysis shortly, so stay tuned. We've got a lot of great topics lined up for you today that you don't want to miss. But if for any reason you do miss any portion of today's program, I want to remind you that you can catch this one and previous shows by going to our website, TonyPerkins.com. You can also find details and action items for the show on the website. So be sure to check it out later, TonyPerkins.com. Now for our first topic, let's go ahead and jump into this. Uh, today's marked uh, the third day uh, of, of military actions near Taiwan, and we hope it's the last of, of their actions, but uh, we, saw, we have seen fighter jets, we've seen Navy ships, uh, we've seen an aircraft carrier near the island, all in retaliation for the recent visit to the United States by Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen. Some have actually speculated that these actions were also meant to show that the U.S. leadership cannot be trusted to protect the vulnerable island should China choose to invade it. Well, how should U.S. leadership respond? Joining me now to discuss this and more is U.S. Representative Tim Burchett. He serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability and also the Committee on Foreign Affairs and the Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure. He represents the 2nd Congressional District of Tennessee. Congressman Burchett, welcome back to the program. Good to see you. Great seeing you, brother. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, you bet. Let's see. You, you serve on the House uh, Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, which obviously has been tracking this issue very closely. So, uh, first of all, Congressman, give me your reaction to the uh, Chinese Communist Party's show of force these past few days. It's concerning. Well, I think it has a lot to do with our recent actions on that balloon. I've come to believe that maybe the um, information gathering was secondary to just gauging our response. As you know, from your service in Congress, the Chinese, they're generally playing chess when the rest of the world is playing checkers. And we generally do a poor job in the checkers department. You know, they were allowed to transverse our entire country. Um, even former head of the CIA under, um, under Obama and his former chief of staff, Leon Panetta said, that he would have dropped that balloon when it crossed the Aleutian Islands. And uh, it was allowed to transverse our entire country. It was allowed to move backwards and forwards and um, basically spy on our country. And then they were able to gauge what our, um, what our uh, attempts were, whatever it's stopping it, which basically was strong um, disapproval and then shooting it down once it had already crossed our entire country. I think we've, um, at some point, our leadership has been co-opted by the communist Chinese, whether that's through business dealings or 
espionage or other other ways. They've completely infiltrated this country with our our education system, our debt, um, our military. They've even reached their tentacles into our White House. So I think that we we know they are up to no good, and I'm I'm not sure where we go with this. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm. Uh, you know, everybody's rattling the sabers, but do we want to get into a world war? And would we be able to maintain that in a nuclear conflict? So at some point, you know, under President Trump, we had sort of, it was kind of a detente kind of situation, as you well know. Uh, We were powerful. They feared us. They weren't going to mess with us, economically or otherwise. Now, I think you're going to see them push the envelope. Yeah, I think you you bring up an excellent point. You know, uh, everyone, they're, the Chinese are playing chess while everyone is playing uh, checkers. I think that's a, an excellent word picture with all of this. And as we all know, everything rises or falls on leadership. And that that is the issue that we are now facing. Uh, and you yourself, I saw where you, you described this as the United States is now in a very awkward position as it relates to China because poor decisions in the past. And now we sure. find ourselves with some extremely serious potential decisions in front of us. So is there, I mean, how should the Biden administration respond to this at this point? Well, I think we ought to, we ought to draw the gauntlet down on the economic situation. I think we've, um, you know, we've allowed them into uh, buy farmland in our country. I think that's, that's an easy fix right there. He he does, this president is, is very fond of executive orders. I think that would be the first thing I would do was um, start putting the clamp down on their business situation, make them feel that kind of pain early on. I think military is our last, is our last, uh, there's no turning back from that, as you well know. And they are a nuclear superpower, unlike Russia, where we basically, uh, we've thrown 114 billion unchecked dollars at Ukraine. And, uh, and we, we'll see where that ends up. So I, I think we are, we're, we're sort of at a standstill, really. We're going to put some troops over there. We're going to rattle the sabers, but they, they pretty much have the whole island of Taiwan surrounded. You know, they in the Second World after the Second World War, my father fought in the Pacific, the Marine Corps, all the way across in the Pacific, and then um, went to China after the war to fight the communists for a short period of time. And yet, the Chinese um, communists were taking over, and we basically allowed them to do that. Uh, by turning away our armaments and instead of arming Chiang Kai-shek, who ended up going to Taiwan, um, we ended up throwing a lot of our armament, tanks, weapons, everything in the sea, literally. And so um, I think we've got a clear message we've sent to these folks that, that um, I, you know, we can talk all we want, we could rattle sabers, but, but the proof is going to have to be, are we willing to... Um, to put men out down there, Absolutely. I think. I, I just, I mean, that's, I hate to say that, and that's, that's kind of the bottom line on the thing, but but are we willing to do that? And yeah, I'm, well, I'm not, I'm, at this point, I, I don't know that that's that would bear any fruit at all. Well, you know, the, I, I'm convinced the Chinese are not going to slow down with rattling their saber, and they may uh, be just um, uh, wild enough to, to actually use it. But at the same time, uh, French President Emmanuel Macron recently said that the European nations should not become entangled on either side of this, the American side or the Chinese, when it comes to the, these differences. 
Uh, It's stunning to me that he would make such a comment. Uh, Do you think he could end up regretting uh, such strategic, not only ambiguity, but just uh, he's in a he's in a different planet on all of this? Yeah, I would hope so. But, uh, you know, the French have had a history of that. And we've bailed them out of two world wars, actually. You know, my uncle is buried in France where he died a few days after D-Day. So I'm I'm well aware of the sacrifices that Americans have made the French, and I'm not aware of too many sacrifices they've made for us. I think that is what's happened in this world today. Uh, you know, we've actually we we we've given away so much with very little, you know, very little contractual agreements, and um, and yet we we've always said if someone were to attack them, it's just like attacking us. And now they see if uh, as us getting in the middle of something, they're backing off. I think you should look at Ukraine as well. I mean, dadgum, how much more money are we going to pump over there in a European conflict? And then we're not seeing the Europeans um, give a uh, commensurate amount or a, or a um, uh, you know, it, 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 I remember when it first started, as you do, I think Estonia was the number two contributing country. And I dare say most folks could find Estonia on a, on a globe. And uh, but yet Europe seems to have kind of backed off this thing in the beginning until we got into it and then they followed suit. So, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I I guess I'm 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 a hawk. We're going to have to leave it there. But listen, you bring up some excellent points. And uh, listen, thank you for your leadership on this and so many other issues. We're extremely grateful for that. Uh, Thank you, brother. Keep keep it up. Thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Yes, sir. All right, folks, coming up, the Biden administration continues its its assault on women's uh, spaces. Stay tuned. We'll cover it right after this. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how his word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. 
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, your host, senior advisor to the president here at Family Research Council. Thank you for joining us this evening. Last week, the Biden administration released proposed federal regulations to override state laws that are there to protect school-age female athletes from having biological men on their sports teams and in their locker rooms. The proposed rule bars any federally funded educational institution from enforcing a categorical ban on males who identify themselves as females uh, from taking part in girls' sports. Well, the Biden administration claims the rule provides schools with flexibility to examine these rulings on a case-by-case basis. But in reality, this is nothing but a fig leaf, if you will, designed to implement the administration's transgender agenda while somehow trying to maintain some degree of plausible deniability. Well, joining me now to explain this is Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council, Meg Kilgannon. She also served in the Education Department under the Trump administration. Meg, welcome to the program. Appreciate you joining us this evening. Great to see you, Jody. Well, listen, let's um, let's just begin with your thoughts on the proposed regulations from the Biden administration. Well, I have to start by just noting the timing of the release of this regulation. They announced the first round of of the assault on women's sports and just general biological reality on the anniversary of Title IX last year. But then the Biden administration at the Department of Education is issuing a lot of regulations, and very notably on the um, on Ash Wednesday, <laughs> the first day of of Lent for Christians. Uh, they released an announcement that they were going to rescind part of the the free inquiry rule that protected religious organizations and students on college campuses. So now on Holy Thursday of last week, they announced their rule to um, allow transgender, quote unquote, transgender students access to sports teams. So it's pretty clear that this administration, um, while it's being run allegedly by the devout Catholic President Joe Biden, isn't really concerned about offending certainly Christians and people of faith with their pronouncements. But the Title IX rule that they announced on on Thursday last week, um, essentially, they're trying to have it both ways. And they're seeing some pushback from even um, transgender activist groups as well as people like me who played sports because of Title IX and would really like for those protections for women and girls to continue. 
Okay, well, let's just let's get this down to the kind of the bottom line of where we all live. All right, so let's say let's say you live in a red state. Uh, you, we have laws that uh, that are protecting girls' sports. Mm-hmm. What does this mean for your daughter's team in that state? Well, what this means is if in your red state there is a student in your school who identifies as transgender and that child is a a, a boy who is born in a male body and who now believes that he's he is not male but wants to you know play girls softball for example um it will be assumed that he has the right to play on the team and the girls will have to demonstrate that it harms them to have a male-bodied person playing on their team. So this so, is, so this overrides state law. So basically all the state legislatures that have been fighting to protect uh, girls and girls' sports and all this type of stuff tossed out the window. Well, if you want to receive federal funds, right? And many, many schools do receive federal funds, and especially schools in Title I districts where the majority of their funding is federal funding, they're going to have a, they're going to feel a tremendous amount of pressure to bow to these rules. Uh, so it, it, it definitely hurts the, the poorest among us. If you're a, uh, in, in Fairfax County where I live, for example, um, a very small percentage of our money is federal money. We are find it, funded by mostly property taxes. So in theory, we could do without this money. Um, but in a, in a much poorer place, um, they're not going to be able to, to do that. So they'll be forced to do whatever the Biden administration tells them. Wow. Uh, th- this whole thing is just infuriating. Uh, are, are you surprised uh, that the administration left themselves at least a hint of deniability in their wording. I mean, it's like they're wanting to play both sides of this thing. Uh, so you, you, you're, we're going to look at this on a, you know, it's all going to be a case by case basis, but no federal, no federal funds if you don't uh, advance our agenda. Uh, we, what, what's your take on their wording? I think they know this is a loser politically. I mean, even people in the Biden administration can read a poll, right? And this issue, this especially the sports part of the issue, but as we learn more about the fact that children really are being transitioned medically, that they are being, you know, subjected to these gender experimental surgeries and procedures, um, even though many, many people don't believe that that's true, we know that that is in fact happening. And the more people learn about this issue, the less they like it. And so the Biden administration realizes this. The reason, part of the reason they delayed this part of the rule was because the original Title IX rewrite was before the midterm elections. And the sports part of this is one of the more public parts, uh, the, the more interesting parts, let's say, or obvious parts of this agenda. And so to delay this until after the midterms was a way to, to lessen the heat on this for them politically. Uh, but now, even so, even though they're trying to be a, as seemingly moderate as possible, for people who understand the stakes, for Christians like you and me who believe that we are created male and female, um, for even atheists who simply believe in DNA, chromosomes, and biological reality, uh, we know that there are boys and there are girls and there are really no in-betweens. Um, so we, we're on one side. And then you have the hardline transgender activists. The There was a letter today released by 14 uh, transgender members of state legislatures who said this rule does not go far enough. 
You know, essentially, they want a boy who says he's a girl to be on the girls' team, no questions asked. And there's no middle ground for a lot of people. All right, we've got about 30 seconds, Meg. Great point there. You can never go far enough for these people. But this is just a proposed rule. So now there's a period for public comment in about 15 seconds. Tell us what's next here. Well, please stay tuned because we will have a way for you to make comments. This is not published in the Federal Register yet, so the rule isn't live, but we know that they're going to offer it. So we'll be offering a portal, and we're going to need our supporters to, hit, to, to be strong in their comments opposing this rule. Meg Kilgannon, thank you so much for joining us this evening and for helping unfold this. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you. All right, folks, after the break, we have members of the Chinese Mayflower Church. They have finally reached safety on this past Good Friday. They reached the United States. Dr. Bob Fu was instrumental in making that happen. He'll join me right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you for joining us this evening. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. Glad to have you on board with us. All right, we had some more good news this past Friday. Most of the 63 members of China's Mayflower Church, as it's going to be called, arrived safely in the United States. It ended more than a three-year process of them seeking asylum after enduring persecution from police in their home country of China. Their ordeal actually started in November of 2019, when, as I mentioned, these 63 members of the Shenzhen Holy Reformed House Church had to flee to South Korea. They later traveled to Thailand, setting off a legal ordeal that would last more than three years. But there is a U.S.-based human rights group 
called China Aid. They tirelessly coordinated with the U.S. government agencies, with the United Nations and, and others, the Thai government, uh, and they, over the course of three years, successfully have now been able to obtain freedom and to bring these persecuted Christians to the United States for asylum. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Dr. Bob Fu. He is both the founder and the president of China Aid, as well as a senior fellow for International Religious Freedom here at the Family Research Council. Uh, welcome back to the uh, program, Dr. Fu. It's an honor to have you. Thank you, Judy, for having me. Well, listen, first of all, uh, w w you were so instrumental in this entire campaign for years now. And so let me begin first and foremost by sincerely extending to you a heartfelt thank you on behalf of these Christian brothers and sisters for all the hard work that you've done. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's really um, a, a true miracle, a Good Friday miracle that, um, as you just mentioned, after three and a half years of uh, uh, sailing uh, through from China to South Korea, then Thailand, and uh, barely, uh, I mean, a week ago, they were still locked up in two separate uh, immigration detention centers in Bangkok and uh, was uh, about to be expelled uh, back to the Chinese uh, Communist Party's prison, uh, facing uh, tremendous torture and uh, suffering and imprisonment. And God really... Uh, showed uh, he is a merciful, faithful God, just uh, using uh, multiple government uh, and uh, uh, many uh, NGOs, um, including the Family Research Council and many others, and member of Congress, um, such as uh, Congressman Chris Smith, uh, uh, Chairman McCall, and uh, uh, Congressman um, Nathaniel uh, and um, Senator um, Ted Cruz, Senator um, Marco Rubio, and many others. Um, these spoke uh, uh, consistently and loudly, and uh, finally, miracle happened. On Good Friday night, we all welcome the 59 uh, members um, of the Mayflower Church arrived in the state of Texas in Dallas. That's awesome. Well, you know, I, you, your own testimony, you, you have been there. You've experienced the persecution yourself in China uh, for your faith. And I, I cannot fully comprehend or even imagine the degree of satisfaction uh, that you had personally to see these uh, members of the Mayflower Church arrive safely in Texas. Uh, that had to be a highlight in your life, really. Indeed, is uh, I'm so super happy. Uh, of course, especially the past uh, uh, seven days, uh, like a roller coaster. One time in first night last uh, Friday, they were in the Thailand police station, locked up with two Americans from East Texas. Uh, organization for um, uh, it's called Freedom Seekers International in Tyler, Texas, who agreed to resettle them. And then the next day, they were bused uh, to Bangkok uh, abruptly after a court hearing with the, the judge announced them uh, to be freed uh, after paying a fine for visa 
uh, kind of uh, extension issue. And uh, all of a sudden, they were told they are going to be handed over to Communist China in the Bangkok International Airport. And uh, sitting on two buses are two American citizens, uh, Dina Brown and Stacy, a nurse uh, yeah, from uh, Texas. So at that stage, um, the uh, really all dark uh, on deck. Um, the, the, a lot of prayers, uh, certainly around the globe, pouring in, and I connected the UN um, the, uh, High Commissioner's Office on Human Rights in Geneva. Then Amazing. with the UN Human Rights, uh, yeah, uh, the, on the uh, refugee issues, uh, the Biden administration, of course, uh, acted swiftly. And um, it is uh, nothing but a, a great example of um, uh, the collaboration, uh, nonpartisan, and uh, a great dedicated effort. Well, we've only got a few seconds left here. Uh, but how, how, you know, the second Mayflower landing, really, both the original and this one, seeking religious freedom from persecution and so forth. How are these individuals in about 15 seconds going to be taken care of and incorporated in American life? Or is that going to happen, you feel? Yes. Uh, our partner, Freedom Seekers International, based in Tyler, so they already settled them in a, a community with 2,000 acres of land, and they were housed over there for the next uh, at least four to six months and then processed their uh, refugee status, Excellent. and then he will be given work permit and to really pursue a life uh, and Gotta leave it there, uh, Dr. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so you. much for your work. Friends, stay tuned. Right after this, we'll be talking about the FDA and chemical abortions. You don't want to miss this. We'll be right back. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. 
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Glad to have you on board with us this, this, this evening. All right, this past Friday, it was Good Friday on so many different ways. But one way, there was a federal district court in Texas that ruled to protect the health and safety of women and girls by halting an FDA approval of chemical abortion drugs. And almost immediately uh, following that court's decision, Democrat attorney in the state of Washington sued the federal government for increased access to abortion drugs. Well, these maneuvers set forth a, a stage for what unquestionably is going to be a continued fight to protect the unborn. Uh, and most legal experts anticipate that eventually this is going to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, joining me now to discuss this is Lathan Watts. He's the vice president of public affairs at the Alliance Defending Freedom, who represents the four medical groups and the four doctors who sued the FDA. And so, uh, Lathan, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. It's an honor to have you, sir. Thanks for having me. All right, well, let's discuss uh, the specific court case that uh, ADF was involved in. Uh, that, that's just one. Your, your team argued that the FDA literally chose politics over science when it tried to push through the legalization of these chemical abortion drugs back in, uh, I believe it's the year 2000. But HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra uh, said it's just the other way around. In fact, uh, let me play this clip and get your reaction to it. This is what he said yesterday on CNN's State of the Union. If a judge decides to substitute his preference, his personal opinion, for that of scientists and medical professionals, what drug is it subject to some kind of legal challenge? So we have to go to court. All right, we have to go to court. All right, let's, let's set the record straight on what is opinion versus what is science. Certainly. Um, well, our clients, uh, the doctors and the medical associations that they represent, they presented the science to the FDA all the way back in the year 2000 when the FDA first uh, started the approval uh, for this uh, for these chemical abortion drugs and by filing a petition challenging the approval of it. And the FDA, by its own rules, was supposed to respond to that petition within 180 days, and they stonewalled our clients for over 14 years. Um, the FDA has abandoned, in this case, its responsibility to protect the health and safety of consumers in order uh, to promote, basically, a, a political agenda of creating a nationwide uh, mail-order abortion drug market. Um, so they... 
they illegally approved uh, this drug. And then some 14 years after stonewalling our clients, then removed all the uh, safety protocols that had been put in place with the approval. Um, so we were now finally able to go to court to challenge the approval, and that's what we did. Thankfully, uh, Judge Kazmarek in the Northern District of Texas granted our motion for a preliminary injunction. Um, he did voluntarily stay his order for a week to give them opportunity to file an emergency appeal, which they have. So now that will go to the Fifth Circuit. And uh, once they have made a decision, then we'll know if the uh, nationwide injunction will go into place while the litigation proceeds. I mean, all of this really puts into question the credibility of the FDA. It's, it's unbelievable. This has been going on for uh, 20-something years, as you mentioned. And as I understand it, they literally, in order to push their argument, had to declare that a pregnant woman has an illness uh, to, to push this whole thing through. That in itself is bizarre and has to make people scratch their heads as the, the credibility of their entire argument. And somehow from that, they come to the conclusion that these abortion drugs have some sort of meaningful therapeutic benefit. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, and I, I want to make sure I'm correct on this, the FDA really never even did studies as to the safety of these drugs. Is that is that correct? They certainly didn't study it, uh, its impacts on adolescent populations, which they should for any drug. Um, they relied on some very unreliable uh, studies. And again, as I said, you know, stonewalled our clients for a decade and a half. And then when they finally got around to uh, replying to our clients on the same day, they removed the in-person -doctor, in doctor requirement visit, reduced the number of visits from three to one, um, lifted the requirement that only a doctor can prescri prescribe it, uh, authorize it to be sent through the mail, which violates the Comstock Act, um, and lifted the requirement that doctors report any sort of adverse impacts of the drug unless it actually resulted in death. So at every step along the way, uh, they have violated really their, their own rules. And this is this litigation is the the only way to bring some sort of accountability to an executive branch agency. No one gets to vote on these bureaucrats. So when they violate their own rules, this is what has to happen in order to get the FDA to actually fulfill its mission and protect the health and safety of women in this country. So yet again, they are pushing. I, I mean, the left seems so, so much to push, follow the science, follow the science. But they themselves are the ones who never follow the science. And this is... Fair to say this is yet another example of that, correct? Sadly, yes. Uh, one in five women who um, undergo a chemical abortion have some sort of serious complication to it. Um, and our doctors are people working on the front lines who end up having to see these women sometimes in emergency rooms um, when you know something has gone wrong. Um, again, it is the mission of the FDA to protect the health and safety of consumers, and they have abandoned that in, in the case of Mifepristone. Wow. Well, well, I'll be speaking uh, with our next guest about that very issue, uh, uh, the Washington State Attorney General's uh, reaction, uh, as well as calls from the left for the Biden administration to simply disregard this whole court ruling. That in itself is yet again a, a stunning development with all of this. But after you've got this great legal win uh, from ADF, uh, what, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, this has to be a, a great 
day. Of course, ADF has a host of victories over the years, but this is yet another one that's a big deal. It really is, um, because at the at the end of the day, when this litigation is successful, um, women and girls in this country are going to be safer. Um, I mean, that's that's really what it's all about. These these drugs are dangerous. They they create all sorts of complications for women when they take them, and they should never have been put on the market in the first place. And so, to be able to finally hold the FDA accountable. It, it was a great day on on Good Friday, as you mentioned, to get that decision. And now we'll we'll wait as things uh, proceed. But um, we are uh, confident that um, when it's all said and done, that a dangerous drug will be off the market. Well, uh, Lathan Watts, uh, you and all of your colleagues there at Alliance Defending Freedom, thank you for the incredible work you, that all of you have done, and thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us this evening on Washington Watch. Job well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, as we continue our discussion on this great victory to protect the unborn, uh, no one should be re- surprised, really, at the reaction from the left. In addition to the lawsuit from the Attorney General of the state of Washington, Uh, Democrats in Congress itself said that the FDA should literally ignore the ruling of the court. And uh, possibly that's a decision that the Biden administration is not going to rule out. Uh, At least uh, according to Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra, uh, that's what he's saying. Well, joining me now in the studio to unpack all of this and what it means and where things might head from here is Dr. Chris Gasick. He's a senior fellow here at the Family Research Council. Uh, Chris, welcome back to the program. Thanks for joining us. Good me. to be with you. I don't think we've ever been on the show together. So Yeah, so there's uh, <laughs> a, a first for almost everything. <laughs> so uh, glad to have you. All right, so walk us through what, what happened uh, this past Friday on this, this court ruling. This, that, is, this is a, uh, in the history of the pro-life movement, I think, other than like the Dobbs decision, this was a, a, a big day because... Uh, for 20 years, I mean, over 20 years, there have been phenomenal doctors, pro-life doctors, laboring away, uh, arguing that this drug had been, what was safe, the, the regimen is unsafe, and that they had been documenting it and telling the FDA about it, and that the FDA was ignoring them and ignoring them. And so eventually, uh, this is what happened, the, the litigation came about after um, almost 20 years. The, the, front, the first page of the, of, the, of the opinion by the judge details basically that I've never seen anything like it. He, he says that, uh, you know, why was it, why did this take, you know, all these years uh, to, to come about? Because that was a question people have. Like, you, this was, I thought this was approved like by Clinton. And he said, because they stonewalled for 6,000 days. Right. You know, and, and, and it, it's almost so, so reassuring to have somebody who comes along and says, you don't get to do this, you know, to the FDA. Right. And, and uh, the, these big agencies that just think they can you know, abuse you and kind of, you know, mistreat the, the process and just get away with everything. And you, you finally have a judge who actually sort of is looking at the rules and says, well, I'm going to make you actually sort of, you know, stick with these things. Now, about the Washington case, what's kind of amazing is at the same time that this litigation was going on, you have a bunch of kind of radical leftists, uh, I think it's about 10 or 11 states. They're not all from like the West. They're like Maryland is one of them, Maine. Pennsylvania, they're suing, and 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 they, they were granted some kind of an injunction, so that FDA 
has to keep the radical rules that it does have in place. In fact, they, they're sort of not happy because the rules aren't radical enough and that Biden left a few in place, so they want to get rid of those. So you have this sort of uh, this competing agenda. I think um, that the that whole litigation came about as a kind of a counterweight to this one in case sort of like an insurance policy. If we lose in Texas, we've got this thing going. Right. So we can kind of muddy the water and, and you know, uh, kind of balance things out. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that's sort of the, the legal strategy here. Yeah. You know, and the the uh, it, it, it almost seemed like they were expecting our side to win this to, to some extent. But uh, what really is uh, a, another layer to this whole thing is how the left at this point is literally pressuring the Biden administration to simply ignore the ruling and well, just go on as though it never happened. I just want to make a comment about one of the people doing this. It was Ron Wyden, who was in the Senate, right? Ron Wyden, if you go back to it, you know, basically 1993-94, was politically uh, putting a heavy hand on the FDA and the uh, Clinton administration to push the drug through the approval process. Not only in like 94, when they were trying to transfer the rights to the drug from this French-German consortium over to some American company or to the federal government, he was pushing this, threatening to hold hearings. Then he did the same thing in 2000 when the FDA got to the sort of the final, like, you know, they're in the, they're in the final furlong of the race, right? And they realized that they've got a dog here in this, this drug company that they've picked. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. And then this ton of political pressure was brought to bear on uh, on the FDA, and they caved in. And that's the judge in, in pages, I'm just going to mention something, pages 54 to 56 of his opinion, he talks about this. And it seems one, one of the things about this opinion that shows you how that this judge is really good is that he sort of picked this out, and he was able to discern that in 2000 there was this pressure campaign and that the FDA realized that the drug was not safe. And, and, and he sort of draws all this in and says, you know, you you did all this sort of violations of your rules. You were mentioning this before about it, you know, pregnancy is a disease and all this. They did this because they had to sort of glom onto some way to have some rules to kind of restrict the application of the drug because they realize that the, the, the people, you know, pushing the drug, the sellers of the drug aren't going to do it. So we've got to come out. We have to have some kind of control over them. And then what ended up happening was the political pressure forced them to sort of cave in. And, and now they've got this sort of hodgepodge of regulations and the judge is kind of like kicking the can over, right? And and kind of and and I think that's where we are. We're going to maybe find out what actually happened in 2000. I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping that that's what we find out. But that's what he was saying. This doesn't make any sense. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see where this goes. I mean, there's no question. The pressure is enormous. Yes. Uh, and, and on the Fifth Circuit and on the Supreme Court. Yeah. The and and what they're going to experience is tremendous pressure. And then you've got. Uh, the, the Biden administration being pressured to ignore a ruling, which in itself, what in the world happens legally into the rule of law if you have the White House itself ignoring uh, a, a high court decision? I mean, this whole thing is uh, going to be not only interesting, but alarming to watch where it all goes. But I, I want to hit sure. on something else that, that was mentioned uh, with with Nathan Watts here a few moments ago briefly, but uh, you, you you really understand this perhaps more than anyone I know, and that is uh, the the overshadowing all of this is just how dangerous these drugs are. While the left is trying to tell us that they're safe, that it's okay, that this drug's been out there a long time, that it's FDA approved, the reality, the science 
says otherwise. Well, here's the thing that's interesting. So just last, uh, well, two Fridays ago, April 1st, um, the New York Times published an article, and it was this big, uh, you know, it was, it was basically an attempt to, um, you know, if you go online, you look at the thing on your desktop, and you, it's, it's got more bells and whistles, and it fizzles around, and it does all this sort of graphics and all this kind of, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, but it, 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 it's like a magic show. But, and the, so they say that there's, there's nothing, you know, basically they say that all the other problems, everything, there's no big problem. But, but the, the key sentence is um, that 1 in 20 to 1 in 33 women will need to have a second surgical procedure because the first one failed due to retained products of conception or ongoing pregnancy. That's 1 in 20 to 1 in 33. So, I mean, think of any product where you would, you know, any drug product where it would fail and you would have to have a second surgery to, I mean, and it's not some minor thing. This is, you know, like a DNC. So um, it, it really does show that um, when you get underneath and you start looking at, the, at how this drug really operates, what the, what the doctors were saying in 1995 and 2000 and the, these good doctors, they were right all along. Well, it's uh, it's going to be incredible to just keep a pulse. And, and Chris Kasich, I want to thank you no, for welcome. joining me on Washington Watch for keeping a, a, such a close pulse on this entire issue. Got thank a lot you to so look much. At for... We've got a lot <laughs> of work stopping. to do. Absolutely. Well, friends, that wraps it up for us today on Washington Watch. I again want to thank each of you for joining us. Keep the torch ablaze. We're all in this together. Stay informed. Stay active. We'll see you next time. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.